I think looking at my top three, like I can relate with every single one of them to my life, not necessarily to the storyline, but I connected with the characters. Somehow like an aspect of that was reflected in my life. I think that's the main thing for me is I want to feel that connection with a film. Welcome, everyone. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. And we are the podcast for the modern dog parent. Every week, we talk all about caring for and living life with the dog. So this episode is uh, just a bit of fun since it's Christmas week, and we've had some more informational episodes uh, the last few. So just decided to do this very fun, lighthearted episode all about our favorite dog movies. We've teamed up with Jess and Ryan from the Iggy Parents podcast and just had a fun discussion about the ins and outs of a wide variety of dog movies out there. So for the last few weeks, Izzy and I have been doing our research. We've been watching all the dog movies. And then in this episode, we went around with Jess and Ryan and discussed each of our top favorite three movies. It's a little bit of a long episode, so we're going to keep this quite a short but sweet intro. Uh, But we do want to do some shout outs on our honorable mentions. Yes, so basically we, in this episode, we talk about our favorite top three dog movies, but since we watched so many, we have a few extras that we just want to throw out there. Honorable mentions. First off, mine is Balto, animated classic, great dog movie, highly recommend. Is it a classic? It is a total classic. I feel like for any 90s kid, it's a classic. (laughs) Like, I'm a 90s kid, and I've never seen it. I didn't even oh hear God. about it until you mentioned it. You know, okay, Jess and Ryan, when we were talking before the episode, hadn't heard about it either. And <laughs> I I feel like this is you like so a solid. On this one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, okay, I thought this was a solid. Everyone DM us, comment, like whatever. Let me know if you think Balto is like a solid dog movie. Like when you think of dog movies, it's up there. Because I think it is a classic. It's just, I grew up on that movie. Okay, anyway, Balto, just as good as I remembered it. Rewatched <laughs> it recently. And second is Iron Will. This one may be a little bit lesser known. It's on Disney Plus, but it's, I'm not going to go into the synopsis for each of them because we don't have time. But it's also a good one. It's not really about a dog. It's more about like coming of age, strength of character, and then this guy and this boy with his, uh, sled dogs so it's kind of like getting through the challenges and the journey and i'll leave it at that but it's great good good dog content in there as well so those are my honorable mentions i will say one thing about i am will you can tell it's 90s because his hairdo his hair okay i think that was the hair that was set because it was set in like the 20s or something i think Mm. that was the hair of the 20s that maybe made a resurgence in the 90s. Maybe because of this <laughs> because <laughs> of this film. Because of Iron Will. <laughs> it was a trend setting. It must have been. Um, so those For are my two. Sure. So what about you, Izzy? Um, my two, I had Scooby-Doo, the live action film with Pretty Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. Ma- Sarah Michelle because, Geller. Yeah. Mainly because. What a couple. What a, I mean, power couple. Power couple. Come yes. on. Um, Mainly because I think they did such a good uh, job with the casting. They all, mm-hmm. like, if you imagine the cartoon of Scooby-Doo, 
Like that is exactly what they would look like in real life. Like they yeah. just did. It's like they created the cartoon based on those humans almost. Yes. Anyway. Agreed. So I think, yeah, I think they did a great job. And it's just nostalgic. Scooby-Doo. Just yeah. it's such solid. a great cartoon. Yeah. Solid film. Um, easy to watch. Second one, Hachi, A Dog's Tale. There is a, um, the original Japanese version is in 1987. Very good film. Has sub- subtitles, I believe. I didn't watch it because I couldn't find it online, but definitely a good film. Uh, the new one is Richard Greer in 2010, which I was like, mm, Richard Greer playing a Japanese man. Not is too it sure Greer about that. Or Gear? Gear? Greer? I thought it was Greer. Gear. I thought it was Richard Gear, like as in like a gear on a car, but spelled differently. Oh. It doesn't matter. Oh. Either way. Actually, yeah. Either way. You know what? It's Richard Gear. Yeah. G E R E. There we go. Anyway, keep going. Anyway. Anyway. So I was a little bit hesitant about it, but still a good film. Makes you cry, which is why I didn't make it into the top three. Because I already had a cry film in there, but you'll find out all about that later on. Um, but they're my two honorable mentions. Perfect. And then I think Jess and Ryan also did their own honorable mentions over on their episode as well. So the actual discussion on both of our episodes is the same, but the intros are different, obviously, since we're two different podcasts. And so definitely head over to their episode and listen to their intro to hear their honorable mentions as well. Before we get into the episode, we did just want to say a big Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Honestly, all of our listeners, you just mean so much to us and we know this year has been tough for everyone and there hasn't really been that light at the end of the tunnel, but we hope everyone takes some time just to enjoy themselves this holiday in whatever form that comes in. We encourage you to do it and we're here for you if you need anything from us. Um, if you're wondering what's on our wish list this year, it's uh, it's reviews. So hop on to Apple Podcast if you have a Apple product, leave us a review, and uh, we'll be very very happy with that. It's that free. Is, it is free. Five stars, everyone. We love it. That was the best uh, transition I think I've ever heard, Izzy, into into asking for reviews. I'm very <laughs> impressed with that. <laughs> Um, All right, let's jump into the discussion. And we're live. Yay. From all over the world. Welcome to another (laughs) crossover of the Iggy Parents and With the Dog Podcast. Woo! (laughs) Thank you for joining us, ladies. With the parents. (laughs) With the parents. With an Iggy. With an Iggy. (laughs) So I just wanted to chat a little bit about this episode. I guess we did we settle on a title? Dog movie review. I I haven't even thought about it. Top. Top dog movies. Top dog movies. Our top dog movies. Our top dog pick movies. Yeah. Something. We're going to workshop it. The top dog movies. The. Our decision yeah. is yes. The top is the dog movies. Right, we want this to be the first Google search result when someone says best dog movies. Like the best dog movies. Yes. This is it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Mine is going to be very uh, 90s influenced. Oh, great. <laughs> so we'll see. Can't wait. I'm so stoked for this. I've wanted to do this episode for a very long time. And I mean, it's probably pandemic influenced because in March we started watching all these dog movies because we thought, oh, it's like great throwback movies and like reminding us of our childhood. 
But then also we were eyeing up getting a, a sibling for Adelaide. So we started watching 101 Dalmatians because of puppies. And we're just like, how <laughs> yeah. many dog movies can we watch? Yeah, we, we did a few different categories of this. And we have like a little dice game that we play. So we it's did like- Pass a- the Pigs. Do you know that? It's like little pigs that you, they have dots on them and then you roll them. I've seen, I've seen those. I've never it's played really it. It's really fun. I've just seen it on like, yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. So we did like a round robin where we like all had our picks and then rolled and then- someone would win. So we did general Disney movies. We did disaster movies because it felt like we were living in a disaster movie. And and then we did- <laughs> I think we watched Outbreak from yeah. that one. And Contagion. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but dog movies was one and Disney dog movies. Yes. So- Yes. Yeah. It's almost it's a whole it, other it category. Fully, it was a full another list. Yeah. I never realized how many dog movies are out there until- you put us up to Yay. this challenge and it was a challenge. It, there, there right. So and I wrote, I, I wrote to you guys and I was like, oh, do you want to do this? And like, don't stress about it. I don't want you to have to watch a hundred movies. Like that's too much. But if there's anything from your childhood that you remember or even something you've seen recently, um, it's just kind of fun to look back and see what still holds true and what's like, oh, that was so cheesy. Yes. I didn't really like it. I was just a, you know, I was just a kid and I, impressionable. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, I think that really carried through the whole <laughs> the whole childhood versus like adult now, like actual dog mom now. Oh my gosh, there were so many movies that I watched. I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to watch this. This was like, oh, my sister and I watch this all the time growing up. And then I watch it and I either couldn't get through it <laughs> because it was like bad animation or like whatever. Or it just, I was like, oh my God, this is not a good portrayal of dog yes. parenting. You know, or which was the most common one is that apparently I've become quite a sap in my old age (laughs) because I could not watch. I was like, I watched this as a child and I remember it being sad, but not (laughs) sobbing on the couch sad. And (laughs) and that happened a few times. My husband had to like come in and was like, are you sure? Like, you want to keep doing this? I was like, I need to do it. It's for Who work. are these Iggy parents and why did they make you watch this? One Oops. thing that I kept noticing as a general trend, and it's probably going to come up a few times, is that it seems like the bad guy is always the dog catcher or like the Humane Society. And I was thinking about a few things that we watched. And mm-hmm. I was like, if I read a news story about this, the Humane Society that came in would totally be the heroes of that story. Like rescuing these animals yes, from yes, yeah. how <laughs> predicaments that humans put them in, right? Yeah. And I think that's so good. Like speaking of how society has changed. It's like, that's great that we've improved enough that now, you know, the quote unquote pound mm-hmm. or the Humane Society or whatever is actually yeah. the good guys. They're actually doing the good work. Yeah. A recent one that I watched was, I was very surprised because it is very recent. And I was like, how could they? They clearly don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so it's not going on your list, is he? Yeah. It's still on my list. Oh, for other reasons. Okay. Okay, I also good. have one of my, one of my picks could be controversial as well, I think, but we'll get to that. And it's okay if there's, okay. you know, a little we'll contra, it. it's spicy, you know? Not everything's perfect. (laughs) Things get a little spicy sometimes. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. Okay. I think it would actually be equally as interesting if we did the opposite of like the worst dog movies. Episode two. Because I had a few (laughs) that I was like, yeah, (laughs) if people like this, we can do a part two. And yeah, there were quite a few. I was like, what is this? Like, heck no. And I was like, I'm turning this off. That's so true. Oh my God. Now I I definitely want to make that episode. 
Okay, well, we'll see, you know, if you, yeah. if you guys are open to it. If anyone wants to hear this, let us know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. I will say, Perfect. fun fact, you were talking about sobbing on the couch. The first movie I ever cried in was uh, My Dog Skip. And that was... <gasps> That's the one yes, I was talking and I, about. <laughs> honestly, I haven't watched it since I was a kid because I grew up with a Jack Russell Terrier. And so I watched that movie mm-hmm. and it's the first time I ever cried. And I kind of just chickened out watching it this time because <laughs> I was like, I know I loved it, but I don't want to analyze this one. I'm good because, you know, family dog, like my my dad yes. still he's signing our Christmas cards now, Adelaide and Phoebe. He's having to add Phoebe and that's the new thing. And he wrote Adelaide and mm-hmm. started with a C for Chloe. Our Jack Russell, and then had to fix Aww. it with the P, and he did it multiple times. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, I'm That's so, so sorry," <laughs> but it's very cute. So but I, I was like, "I just don't think I can put this film on in my household right now." It's been like five years, but we're not really over it. I don't, do we ever yeah. get over it when a it's dog no presses? I don't know. That one. Well, okay, we can save it for the, <laughs> right. the other, the part two. But I agree. That one, I mean, it's got such a great cast. And I remember watching that, loving it. And I was like, Ooh. I can't, I can't, I couldn't even get through the trailer. Yeah. And then I forced myself to watch some of it. And then I just keep thinking. I was like, no, that's it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, should we maybe get started? We decided before recording that we would go in order of birth month. So... I was born first, and then next up, we're going to choose Carly. But oddly enough, Carly and Ryan have the exact same birthday. So same year. Libra vibes. Same month, same day. (laughs) (laughs) And then Izzy is a December baby. You'll go last to wrap us up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so your turn for the time. Number three. Number three. three. Okay, so let's just nail the coffin. I don't know. What's the saying? My third choice is 101 Dalmatians Animated. Okay. But, okay. Um, I'm sure everyone knows the plot of that movie. I just wrote it down real quick. Pongo, a Dalmatian, helps his human pet, Roger, find love as well as finding his own, Perdita. They have 15 beautiful puppies together <laughs> that are tragically stolen by Cruella de Vil. And the dogs set out on a journey to save their litter and end up saving 101 Dalmatians. Pretty awesome, you know? Beautiful. Which I just want to say, I guess the animated version is different. But in the real life version, how on earth did they have that many puppies? And how much poop did they have to clean up? Right. Like, that's just... <laughs> I think they had a decent you amount You would have needed of... more than one candle for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, the end... Lots yeah. of candles on the set. The end of the uh, live action movie ends with them, like, out on a farm. Like, they get, like, a whole farm, and they're, like, out walking yeah. outside. Whereas, like, the movie animated, they're in this, like, small townhouse in London. They would have definitely been called to the RSPCA <gasps> wellness check. Exactly. Yeah. See? So, I love it, despite yeah. the inaccuracies of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but It's a good Because that is the only inaccuracy. <clears throat> That's in the that only movie. one, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed... It's a good... It's a unique... Yeah, I... It's a unique storyline, but also, like, it's based on a true story, which is kind of really cool. It's not based on Cruella DeVille being real, but uh, Dodie Smith is the author, and she actually had nine Dalmatians, and one of them was named Pongo, and she came up with the idea for the novel after one of her friends said to her, oh, those dogs would make a lovely fur coat, 
So it actually was inspired by someone like <gasps> offhandedly saying, oh, your dogs would make a great fur coat. And she's like, oh, I could make this into a novel. That and friend. she actually did experience <laughs> having a litter of 15. And so I don't know if she was a breeder or, <laughs> you know, in those days, I don't, I don't know what their lifestyle would have been like but I think that's really cool that it, it is fiction but it's like kind of non-fiction yeah it's like inspired <laughs> yeah. by real life kind of events I feel like this just needs to be said I have never met a sane Dalmatian Mm-mm. like oh. <laughs> I just I personally personally I have met quite a few Dalmatians Almost all of them have had some type of pretty severe behavioral issue. Interesting. I don't know if it's necessarily a breeding thing or if it's a they're meant to do more activity and they're not getting, you know, what they need. I don't know. But every single person I've talked to who has a Dalmatian are like, yeah, we've had to do a lot of work or, oh, no, we need to do this type of introduction with the dogs oh, or like whatever. Yeah, Not they, that they're bad dogs. They are just throwing it dogs, out there. Though, aren't they? They're meant to go alongside horse-drawn carriages. So I, I don't know. Maybe they kind of have to be assholes to be next to well, the Well, I was going to say, isn't it kind of, isn't it kind of like corgis? <laughs> that they're like, yeah, they're assholes Yeah. <laughs> Not to call anyone out or anything, <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> you know, just, just. It's true, he knows it. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many fun facts about 101 Dalmatians animated as I was going through and researching it. I think it's really cool. The Disney company had just had a huge flop with Sleeping Beauty. And we had actually watched that over the pandemic as well. And I can see why it was a flop. It's like very operatic and <laughs> it's based on the ballet, right? So yeah. it's kind of like a ballet, which can, can I tell you no offense, secret? be kind of boring. And I have been a ballet dancer since I was four. So, you know. Sleeping Beauty was my favorite film <gasps> as a kid. And I think it's amazing. Aww. To this day, I love I Sleeping Beauty. I think so Beauty. too. Yeah. yeah. That's actually I, didn't, one of my I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was like slow for children. But like if you're a child that loved In comparison. it. Yeah. Like yes. I couldn't remember what yeah. happened. And I then we watched it. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, I did remember all that happened. It was just not very much. <laughs> Yeah, and like all of the music <laughs> yeah. is like high soprano orchestra. And like, again, I'm saying this as a high soprano, like that's how I trained classical music. And I'm like, oh, like this is all the stuff that people say to me nowadays. They're like, oh, that's boring. And that's why you shouldn't sing like that. So <laughs> I just listened to it and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's the like boring thing people were talking about. I can see it now. Um, yeah. but I still think it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I-, I could just see why maybe it wasn't a financial win for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> It's cool to know that a dog movie brought Disney out of a loss and they learned how to do a new technique of animation xerography. It helped them to like save money because they were able to sort of like copy the spots and copy certain things um, that made it, I think, just more cost efficient, which is cool. Does anyone have a guess of how many spots are in the movie? How many actual spots? I'm going to go with 50. What? Like I would say like a thousand. Yeah, but if they copied them. Are oh, no. Like, copy, how spots? many times do you see spots on, on film? Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say, yeah, like Thousands. 2,000. Ryan? 400. No, more than that. It has to be like 50,000. I'm going big. 6,469,952. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go big enough. <laughs> I guess, okay, I guess throughout the entire throughout the movie, entire, count yeah, all so the spots. Counting all the spots in the film yeah. frame by frame. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's actually counting all of them. Um, 72 Ooh, belong to this? Pongo, 68 to Perdita, and the rest belong to the puppies. They each have 32. But I will say the last point about 101 Dalmatians is 
that none of the dog barks were real barks. They were done by an actor. Interesting. Do you have any guesses of who it is? I mean, if it's in the 60s, I have no idea. It's got to be. It's someone who played a character. Oh. A famous character, a famous Disney character. Is it the guy that plays Winnie the Pooh? That's one guess. Any other takers? I li- this is like the worst question for me. <laughs> I can't even fathom. My only guess is like someone who played like Goofy or Pluto or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Those are all great guesses. It was Donald Duck. Isn't wow. that cool oh, though? Oh, his name is Clarence Nash. I wouldn't have known his name, but Okay. You know what? Just like guessing one day a character. you're gonna be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <gasps> And you are going to win a million dollars because of that knowledge. Yes. Is that show still going? Oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've started Probably. re-watching it because now it's Jimmy Kimmel. It's very fun. And it's celebrities oh, and, really? and frontline workers. What happened to Chris Tarrant? They're like having frontline workers mixed in with celebrities because of COVID just to like reduce Ooh. everyone being in the public. Yeah. Good, All right. So that was one. my number three. Good one. Just right. like full of facts. <laughs> Carly, what you got? All right. My number three is Lady and the Tramp. Ooh. Real or fake? Fake. The animated. <laughs> fake. <laughs> animated. Animated. Yes, because the live action is not real. Um, <laughs> that The live one actually would be on my worst <gasps> list because the CGI of the dog, I, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't. There was something about it when they like tried to make the dogs talk. I couldn't watch it. So that's fair. Lady and the Tramp animated. I mean, first of all, like, I'm assuming everyone has watched it. If not, short, brief synopsis is got a dog named Lady. She is a Cocker Spaniel. She's in a home since puppyhood and she gets her license. And so that's kind of like a little theme in the movie is that she's she's got her license and she has a home. And then there is the tramp. And he is basically like the little town mutt. And he's adorable like a scruffy gray dog and he kind of like will wander out around through town so those are kind of the main characters you've got some other dogs that are absolutely adorable i'll get to them in a second (laughs) the whole thing is that her people ladies people have a baby and they go away for a few days and aunt sarah comes to watch lady and the baby aunt sarah does not care about lady at all terrible dog sitter this really points i mean if you take a a learning from this movie <laughs> it is get a dog sitter that loves your dog because aunt sarah brings her two siamese cats who are evil and um not necessarily politically correct this is a very old school movie in in a lot of ways kind of different themes with the pound and with the cats and <laughs> some other stuff but aunt sarah like the cats basically get into trouble and Aunt Sarah blames it on the dog. She was like, no, 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 go away. I just want to be with my, like, with the baby. She just wants to watch the baby. Then it kind of comes to a climax with the tramp coming in because the rat sneaks into the baby's room. So the dogs try to protect the baby and get this rat. Aunt Sarah comes in and sees that there's two dogs, like, growling over the baby and kicks tramp out. And she tries to put a muzzle on Mm. Lady without desensitizing her at all. So, of course, Lady freaks out. She's now on the streets because she, like, runs away. And it's like her lady and the tramp have like a little romance blossoming. She gets to explore the world and it kind of culminates with like this whole pound situation. And lady's like, you know, like tries to make sure that the tramp doesn't get taken to the pound and saves the day. Long story short, it's a happy ending. No dogs die. 
which is the whole point of my list, is that I did not cry <laughs> during this because I was like overly sad or anything. So I was pleasantly surprised. I had not watched this movie since I was maybe like five. And I didn't remember too much about it. Everyone knows the like spaghetti scene, mm -hmm. you know, with the with the lady in the tramp. And all I have to say is that this movie is old school. I think it was done in the 60s as well. No, 55, actually. It was digitally remastered. So the cartoon itself was actually really, really nice to watch. I, I thought it was good enough quality um, on Disney Plus, at least. And... Shout out to my in-laws for me using all of their logins <laughs> to watch all these movies. <laughs> it was just really enjoyable. I was just pleasantly surprised by all of it. The only thing I have to say, the thing that made it to my top of my list is that these people were ahead of their time. The All of these owners, the Italian restaurant owner giving them spaghetti. I mean, you would see people in like modern times putting their dog on a date. <laughs> and that's what he was doing back in like 55. He was like, oh, the dog, you've brought a lovely lady. Here's a plate of spaghetti. Aww. And and the owners as well. I mean, the dog was on the bed. I mean, they didn't try to put her on the bed to start with, but she was she slept on the bed. She was obviously super well taken care of. They welcomed in the tramp at the end of the movie as well. And he was like one of the family. So if they were open to rescuing I, they were just way ahead of their time, I think. And so that's what made it on my list. It was an enjoyable watch. Aww. I'm going to stop now. I love that. <laughs> I will say as well about the culturally inappropriate things. There was a disclaimer that Disney has at the start of the film. I don't know if you saw it, but it yes. said that there are like yeah. misrepresentations of culture in this movie. And we are aware. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's like a huge question. And obviously we can't get into that <laughs> fully on a podcast mm -hmm. all about dogs. But I think it's an interesting step and like a nice thing for them to at least be writing about that. I think it's like yeah. the elephant in the room is all of these Disney movies from a certain era had it's musicals, too. Like we've dealt with this musical theater. There's so many things that are inappropriate, racist, awful. Yes. And yeah, the more that people sort of acknowledge it and try and just. Like, yeah. Because yeah. you can't was, erase it, that yeah. scene. It's, you know. It's plot driven and it was good of Disney to put that warning yeah. there. But I agree. I also love that movie. <laughs> so good. I, I rewatched it in the spring and then rewatched it now. <laughs> it was yeah, I was pleasantly surprised on it. I did not think it would I threw it on while I was making dinner, kind of just like watching the you know, I was like stuffing Christmas cards. Spaghetti and meatballs? <laughs> no. <laughs> I should have done. I should have done. <laughs> One other thing I was thinking, if you did take a learning from this movie, was one I, what I said about the dog sitter, but two was the woman got pregnant and the dog could tell, like lady could tell before the baby even arrived that something was off. And so I kind of just thought that was interesting for people to think about like, oh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, we're going to have a baby. And they don't address the fact that like with their dog until they have the baby. And people just don't think about how a daily routine does change when the person is actually pregnant. So I would just, I don't know. I thought that was like kind of an interesting little theme. But Aunt Sarah is the real villain here, though. Oh, I'm so mad at that lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ryan. Okay, my number three is The Secret Life of Pets. That's a good Very one. Very nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Quick synopsis. I don't have it written down here or anything, but Max is the main character, a Jack Russell, who lives in an apartment in New York City with his owner. And the first scene is amazing, and I laugh at every little I don't know, tableau of what it's like when the owners leave the pets at home. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a poodle that loves rock music and there's a Dashin that used the, <laughs> the stand mixer to massage himself. And like all every single one of them is perfect. But then the owner brings in a stray or a new dog, Duke. And then Max is like is mean to him and isn't very welcoming. And then they get lost when they're out with the dog walker and then they have to find their way home. Kind of through the underbelly of lost and forgotten animals in the city that live in the sewer. Yes. <laughs> so sad. Gets a little wild yeah. there. <laughs> okay. I I love that one, Ryan. I'm happy that you said it. Personally, the sewer part. It turned me off. I don't know why. It was just like the evil like rabbit situation and the alligator. I don't know. It was believable until all the sewer animals, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we were rewatching that. We were rewatching it yesterday and it's believable to me until the sewer but I was even on board with the sewer and the one point in the sewer that got me confused <laughs> was the snake <laughs> yeah. with the big tooth yeah. to initiate them into the sewer gang. And that's like everything else. I was like, okay, rabbits. I can believe that it was a magician's rabbit that ran away and like all this. I believed it. And like all the other gang, I believed it. And I still honestly like this is probably an honorable mention worthy spot for me. I really do love Secret Life of Pets, but that is the one thing in the sewer I totally get you. Yeah. That I was like, why is this giant snake living in the sewers of New York? Are they trying to expect us to believe that this huge giant snake lives in the sewer of New I York? Like I that's probably maybe? true. I think yeah, I think there is snakes that <laughs> live in huge. there. It was huge. It was huge. Yeah. Um and if you live in Florida, there could also be an alligator. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. there was yeah, one. I think Probably. What yeah. I did like about Secret Life of Pets is that Max is like this small dog and he's like being really mean and Duke is like this big friendly giant. And I was like, that's really true. That happens. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. <laughs> the small dog would be the little butthead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the little pampered Especially little a Jack Russell. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking with 16 years experience living with a Jack Russell. <laughs> yeah. They're crazy. I love them. I love that breed, but yeah, would not, they would not love anyone coming in. So why did it make it into your top, Ryan? What was it? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things about it that I really like. One, it's set in New York and Jess and I really love New York. Mm -hmm. And we watched the second one, Secret Life of Pets 2, last year in theater in the month or six weeks or so. Like, Right before we got Adelaide, so I we think were it like, was like a week before we got Puppy Adelaide Fever last year. And it was like, oh, there's a dog movie in theaters. We need to go see this right now. <laughs> yeah. So it was watch the first one. So we like I watched it for the first time last year, and then we watched the second one. Kind of you saying like the week before we got Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So that's it was a special time that we watched it, and then just how it is made. I feel like it. That movie does a really good job of showing the city from the perspective of the dogs. Mm, that's a good point. So every time you see the skyline, they are crazy exaggerated, skinny and tall. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's what it would look like if I was a foot tall and those buildings were that tall. Love it. Yeah. So I just think it's a really good animation mm-hmm. style. They they have exaggerated things in a way that works for the dog's perspective. And and I think even specifically, maybe Max's perspective, because Duke, this big dog, comes in and he's like all head. Like his <laughs> head is as big as his body is. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like this big dog looks even bigger to a small dog. He looks like a little like buffalo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's cute. I do like. I agree with you. The, all the little montage of all the different dogs that they had at the beginning of all the different behaviors and personalities. Um, Zootopia came out right around the same time as Secret <gasps> Life of Pets, and I think I think because I saw Zootopia first, it which it doesn't have dogs in it, but you know what I mean. Like it, yeah. it kind of is like an animal movie at the same time, and that one ended up taking the cake. Good call, Ryan. Good I think call. that Zootopia has a stronger message. For humanity than Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. But I also think that Secret Life of Pets was the funniest dog movie. Maybe other than Best in Show, but that's a different kind of humor. Yes. So. Yeah. But like we were watching it yesterday and I was bursting out laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like I feel like I haven't done that in a lot of the dog movies that's that true. I've been watching. Yeah. But maybe yeah. that's just my pick. Humor maybe is good. The funny ones I didn't choose. No, no, I think yeah. I think a lot of them are like either meaningful or telling a story rather than humor. Mm-hmm. All right, Izzy, you're up. <gasps> okay. Number three. So um, this is a new one for me. I just watched it the other day um, and it wasn't going to make an appearance. I wasn't even going to watch it. I wasn't even going to watch <gasps> it because it did not interest me in the slightest. However, as a British person, I felt obliged culturally to watch this film and give my two cents about it. Turns out, loved it so much. Now it's my top three movie. The Queen's Corgis. <laughs> oh is my God. the best film that I've seen this year. <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> oh my God. They so accurately depict A, a, a corgi's personality, 100%. B, what can happen if Aww. you don't train it. But also, I think it's such a good story because, so the Queen has her corgis, and then she brings in this new puppy to the pack, and he's like super. Annoying. And it's animated. Yeah, it's animated. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't know about this film. Oh my gosh, you should definitely watch it. You are part <gasps> of the Commonwealth. You should watch it. <laughs> I know. I was just gonna say, and my mom is from England, so there we go. We'll have to sit her down. We'll have to watch it. <laughs> so the Queen brings home this new puppy, Rex, um, and he totally pushes everyone out, which I think is such a warning for people like if you're going to bring in a second dog you have to make sure your dog's there before them still get the same love and attention but anyway new puppy becomes the top dog and it gets like a special collar and he has like a coronation and it's like this whole big thing and then he gets betrayed basically by one of these other corgis and he's like yeah let's run away let's go and be the pope's dog let's go to vatican city pushes him off a bridge so Poor Rex is like gonna drown and he gets his foot stuck in this bicycle that's like down in the bottom of the Thames and he's about to die. (laughs) He doesn't, obviously. And he gets like put in the pound and he meets Wanda, the love of his life. And also Donald Trump does make an entrance and so does (gasps) Melina, Melania. Melanie? I don't know. Melania. Melania, whatever her name is. I love is. how we we're, don't We've watched so much news <laughs> recently. Name. And I was like, I don't want to know, but I do know it's yeah, Melania. Yeah. <laughs> they make an appearance. Anyway, Rex and Wanda and the gang that they meet at the pound find their way to the palace. And then the queen is like, oh my God, Rex, you're home. And then welcomes in all the dogs. And then Prince Charles is super happy because there's more than corgis around and everyone lives happily ever after. 
Great film. Love it. Yes. Definitely a spoiler alert. But there's so much more that happens in the film than what I just said. That sounds magical. Yeah. And I don't feel like okay. you spoiled it. I feel like I still want to watch that. Yeah, you shouldn't. Okay. Carly <laughs> <laughs> has, has opinions. I have opinions on this. <laughs> it is probably... Okay, you were just saying, Jess, about like a funny dog movie. This movie, yeah. Queen's Corgis, is probably one of the funniest dog movies I've ever seen. Because, like, a ridiculous funny. Okay. It's so okay. ridiculous. Everything it about it, the the Trump thing, the dogs, <laughs> like, even the cartoon, like, the animation itself is is very, like, ridiculous looking. I it don't know. Is, it's just yeah. all of it is just so preposterous that you're like, what am I even watching? But if you're <laughs> in that mood, then it's great. Yeah. You know, right. I wouldn't recommend it if you're hungover, but I would recommend it if you've had a couple glasses of wine and you're about to dig into a big box of chocolates and you're just feeling a bit silly, a bit giddy. This feels a little personal, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had such a great day. <laughs> I just bought eggnog yesterday, so we can, oh, we can plan for it. Yeah, that's eggnog. perfect. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Is eggnog an American thing? It is, yeah. Be- because I, I told someone... Or I posted about it, and some Australians were so confused. Yeah, they had no idea what I was talking about. We're not nog people. We're mm. usually just like drinking Bailey's mulled out of the wine or mulled wine. <laughs> mulled yeah. wine. I love mulled wine. Yeah, but I feel like mulled wine to make it at home is such a commitment because you have to have like a real whole nutmeg or a real star anise or a mm-hmm. real allspice and not ground in a little shaker you to know like what? make it taste really they good. They just have it bottled in the UK. Like, it's like a wine bottle, mulled yeah. wine. Buy them by the barrel oh. around Christmas time. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you got to make it fresh. That's like the best tasting. You can buy just like packets of mulled wine spice. Oh, okay. I'd use the bottle as a starter. And then I'd like oh, okay. do the spice packet a bit and warm it up and everything. But it was like a quick start. Or at a lot of the pubs, they have them too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting it out is always the best. Yeah. Like we in Toronto have a Christmas market. And it's like way sweeter than when I make it myself. Mm. They probably just pump full sugar in there. Yeah, they do. But uh, just like so much sugar. And I would not have put that myself because you're actually seeing yourself pour the sugar in and you go, do I really need this? And you go, yes. uh... Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is Christmas. More. 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 (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, so Um, Queen's Corgi. Sorry for the tangent, but Queen's Corgi. Yeah. Yeah. Queen's Corgi. I really wanted to hate it because I didn't want to be the typical <laughs> British person going, I love the Queen's Corgi. But I I am. And I'm not And a Corgi mom. And I'm a Corgi mom. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I am their target audience and it worked. So they did their job exactly. very well. Extremely well. You know, I actually saw that movie on a rooftop in London. Uh, it was like a rooftop <gasps> movie theater that was dog friendly and they would like advertise. So it was like a free thing that we got like you know, Instagram people, they would like invite and whatever. So, and so we went and it was the only memory, I think I soured on that movie a little bit because one, it was so ridiculous, but it was also raining when I watched it on this rooftop. And so I was like cold. Rainy in England? What? Well, I mean, you know, it's, if we were inside and it was rainy, it'd be fine. But it was like cold and wet and Lupin was like, get me out of here excuse me excuse my language he was like get me out of here yeah so i think it was all the whole thing it was just like what did i just watch like what did i sit through for just because it was free but good good choice is he yeah solid yeah represent my country you know inside with a cup of mulled wine you would have a great time 
Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm actually going to suggest this to my dad for Christmas Eve. <gasps> to watch it? Yeah, because we're already doing, he has a pizza oven. So we're already doing pizza oven and mulled wine. Might as well mm-hmm. chuck oh. on the Queen's Porgies. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the next day is the Queen's message. So you got to. Exactly. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I'm actually really looking forward to listening to the Queen's message. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be the first year I've ever listened to it. But um, yeah. oh my God. Feeling oddly patriotic right now. It comes on our Canadian news. We get it. CBC. They always put it on. Anyway. So I'm going to start okay. with my second choice. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Taking it away. Me. <laughs> second choice. I chose something. It's a new movie to me, even though it's an old movie. I just watched it for the first time this year. Marley and Me. Oh. So this is the one that I said I've got issues with. <laughs> um. <laughs> But I think overall, the the reasons why I like this movie outweigh the reasons why I think it's problematic. Mm-hmm. So just a brief uh, description of the plot. Newlyweds and journalists John and Jenny, played by Owen Wilson and Jennifer Aniston, get a Labrador Retriever puppy, and we follow the 14 years of his life. Marley is a disobedient, destructive, troublesome puppy and struggles to learn from obedient school and training. John finds success writing a column all about life with their bad dog, Marley. Mm-hmm. As much as it hurts me to say those words, but they call him a bad dog and he's sort of the quintessential bad dog in their eyes. So this is a live action movie and I'm going to say it's nonfiction because it's based on a column and the person who wrote it then released the rights to make this film. So mm-hmm. it's not like, but it's an autobiographical book, a memoir. Yeah. So I'll say pretty much nonfiction. Let's start off with why I like it. (laughs) So why it's a quintessential dog movie for me. I think that watching it this year and not watching it when it came out in 2008, Christmas Day, it just kind of paralleled my life. I feel that Ryan and I got our first puppy together. And even though I had a puppy growing up, I really was going through the ropes of what it's like to be a new dog parent. And so seeing another couple get a dog sort of as a trial before having kids. And that's not a, a precursor or anything. That's, <laughs> that's where the story ends. But um, <laughs> for now, um, I could just see a lot of parallels with that and like struggling to train our first dog together has been um, a bonding experience for us. So I just kind of like relate to a lot of the human side of things in that movie. And I feel like uh, leaving your dog for the first time. They left their dog to go on their honeymoon and that's what we did. We left the dog with my parents and I will say it was a bit more successful than in the movie. <laughs> um, I could definitely relate to the fear and stress of having those challenges for the first time. Yeah, so a little bit about why it's problematic. At the first part of the movie, they talk about that they got the dog as a clearance puppy. <laughs> I laughed because that's kind of what my dog growing up, Chloe, the Jack Russell Terrier, was. She was the last one left in the litter and it was a first time breeder. She wasn't even the runt, but she was just the last dog left. And so we wondered, like, why is she on sale? But there was nothing wrong with the dog from what we knew. But I think that this part of the movie where the person gets this dog, they don't talk anything about sort of like what an ethical breeder is or what it means to get a puppy from a breeder versus adopting. And it just kind of is like, we're going to buy the clearance puppy. And they didn't ask any question of health testing and all of those things that I know is just a nerdy dog parent thing to worry about. But I do think is like a valid point that they just kind of say, oh, you bought the dog 
kind of like someone just buying a dog from a puppy mill or something and having no idea. And I'm not accusing the movie of that, but I just think that that's <laughs> something that like, let's not talk about that point. Like they don't have yeah. any kind of reality to that. And then the dog does come with a lot of problems. So I think that that not being discussed um, is maybe a little problematic. And then also just the, his training in general, that he really, really struggles with the training. And I think that we don't ask ourselves maybe why is the couple not able to train the dog? Like, is there something wrong with the training techniques? Yeah. Obviously, it's for the effect of the movie, and I get it. And obviously, this person experienced it in real life, and we don't know what it looked like for him. Like, were you using positive reinforcement? Like, <laughs> just being super nerdy about it. But um, so those are the like qualms I have with the movie. But I think that the theme of being a dog in this film is so beautiful. And like, this is one that made me cry so much. And I think that like, I have some quotes that I really, really loved. One of the quotes, I'll, I'll just read you some. Do you know what made you a great dog? You loved us every day, no matter what. Aww. I think that there's just like simple things that you can learn from the dog as well. I'll read this one too. And this might be from the book, actually. I think it's a little bit more expansive, but I'll just read it quick. A person can learn a lot from a dog, even a loopy one like ours. Marley taught me about living each day with unbridled exuberance and joy, about seizing the moment and following your heart. He taught me to appreciate the simple things, a walk in the woods, a fresh snowfall, a nap in a shaft of winter sunlight. And as he grew old and achy, he taught me about his optimism in the face of adversity. Mostly he taught me about friendship and selflessness and above all, unwavering loyalty. Oh, yeah. So there's cute. just some things that like are like themes in the movie that I'm like, oh, this is just so beautiful. And yes, like these are the lessons I want to learn from my dog. And even if they called him a bad dog, but he actually was like this dog that saved them and saved their marriage and saved their lives. Like, I just feel like it was so impactful that the dog really shaped their lives together. Mm -hmm. so I just think it's really beautiful. And even though there's maybe issues, I, I still think it's really great. Yeah. But that's why it's number two. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a solid one. I think that one makes a lot of the top lists. Yeah, it would definitely be in a top 10 for me. I can't believe I didn't see it till now. Really? Yeah. But I think that that's why it was like more impactful and it wasn't just a dog movie that makes you cry. I think a lot of people <laughs> just think, oh, that's the one that makes you cry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I'd ever heard about it. And I was like, I don't want to watch that. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with what you said, though, as far as the themes running through it of the naughty dog i think i think it's also a bit of an old school thought of well we took him to obedience school and it didn't take so you know and then you just keep telling yeah. them like no and like don't do that oh they ate the sofa like no and put him in the backyard for an hour <laughs> while we clean up or like whatever like i think right, i think right. that kind of ideology is definitely um old school but maybe you know maybe it's more common than we think we're obviously quite delved into the dog world but you know as izzy and i have said our podcast is for the modern dog parents so i feel like mm. you know hopefully the people listening if they have a dog like that they will learn that they need to take an extra step with like okay what's the next approach as far as training or whatever exactly and while it's relatable there's new ways of addressing those problems. Yes. So like it yeah. was nice to see, oh, they're struggling, like we're struggling and like, oh, mm -hmm. both of our dogs are pooping right now during a podcast and what do we do? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know, you don't, <laughs> there's certain things you don't do and that's what we've learned now as adults in 2020. Yeah, exactly. Good one, Jess. 
All right. Thanks. Is it me next? I'm getting yeah. emotional thinking about that movie. So. <laughs> okay, move on. Move on. Move on. We got to move on. Okay. All right. Classic. As I said, these a lot of mine are going to be heavily in- influenced by the 90s here. Homeward Bound. Yeah. So um, I think Homeward Bound. Yep. 93. And so I hope everyone has seen this, but it's it's a live action with two dogs. So the oldest one, his name is Shadow, Golden Retriever. Next is Chance, who's like a pity mix thing, like a white and black, and uh, who's probably like two or three. And then a cat named Sassy. And so Sassy, I don't know how old she is, but she's um, like a Himalayan cat, I think, like a medium hair or something. Premise is there's a family They leave all of the animals at a ranch because they are moving temporarily to San Francisco just like for a job opportunity. It never says how long they're in San Francisco. And so it's three kids. So each kid kind of is associated with the animal. So like the oldest, Peter, has Shadow. And then the little kid, Jamie, has Chance. And then the girl has Sassy, which, you know, we can get into, you know, maybe some feminist issues with that of like the cat. And the girl and sassy and whatever, but <laughs> but you know it's it's an older movie, and there's lots of jeans happening, lots of like jean shirts, jean like jackets, all of it, very nineties. So premise they they don't say how long they're in San Francisco. It seems like it's only for a couple months though, if that. It's like a temporary. They they can take the dogs with the animals with them into their small little apartment in San Francisco, and so. They leave it at a ranch on like the other side of the Sierra Nevadas and the dogs escape the ranch. All the animals, all three of them escape the ranch because Shadow, the oldest golden retriever who has this beautiful, cute little gray face. He was like, nope, Peter, my my boy, he needs me like he wouldn't they wouldn't have left us. We need to escape like we need to get out of here. And so he's like, I'll lead you guys home. And of course, it's like through the mountains, through the forest. They have all of these perils, a river. Uh, bear, uh, like it's just all this stuff until they finally can get to home. By this time, by the time they actually do arrive home, so the family has looked for them. They they're aware that they escaped the ranch. The family's looked for them, and they've put up the posters and all of this stuff. And the family's back at the house now, and all the animals arrive home safe and sound. And the kids are extremely happy. No dogs die. It did make me cry. Um, but only because it was so sweet. So the reason this is on my top list is because Shadow is the older dog and just reminded me so much of Lupin. Just just some of the things that he would say, I was like, oh, like my old dog, my old hound dog Lupin would do that. And, and, you know, sometimes he was like, oh, yeah, I still got it. Like he's trying to play basketball with his with his boy, you know, Peter and and I was like, oh, Lupin sometimes does that. Like, he has that same look on his face. Like, I still got it. Like, I still have energy. <laughs> and so I was crying five minutes in because I was like, Shadow, the old dog. Oh, so beautiful. Um, and But it wasn't like a sob. It was just like a happy, like, this is so sweet. And then Chance, the younger dog, uh, the pity mix, Albie, our coonhound mix, is a pity mix as well. Like, I, we're pretty sure that he has some kind of pity in him, just like with his face shape and body shape. And he's crazy, just like this dog. And so just the dichotomy, like, I was like, I have each of these dogs. Like, I have a crazy one who's just, like, jumping off the walls. And I have the older, cute one. And and so it just, like, seeing them in, you know, in video form or whatever was made me very happy. And it's a good story. 
Um, yeah, I don't think I have like too many complaints about it, really. You know, what I did like, this is probably more of a sign of the times than anything, but I did like that they didn't try to CGI the dog's mouth to move like they were talking. Uh, they they just put the voices to whatever the dog's action was in that time. And it kind of made it pretty believable. It's almost like you you can kind of see what the dog was thinking. Oh, Sally Fields voices Sassy the cat. Michael J. Fox voices Chance. So it's just like hearing those great, like kind of iconic voices too were was very enjoyable. We rewatched it in the spring. And yeah. I do prefer narration over like fake mouths moving, whether that's people putting like peanut butter on their lips or whatever, like just the attempt, I would prefer it to be narration. I really love that movie. And I remember watching it again. And I'm like, oh, like cry at the end, the reunion scene. Yeah. So beautiful. And the kids, I think the kids really sell that. Yes. But the one scene that I remember so glaringly is the porcupine. Yes. I remember I think that that's too. the first time I'd ever seen a porcupine ever. Mm-hmm. And just like that fear. And so anytime I hear porcupine, I think about Homeward Bound. Like that's yeah. just the, that's the image I have. Yes, the massive like needles sticking out of his nose. It was just like, what? Yeah, totally agree. It was um, it was a pleasant surprise because I also forgot about it, and I had (laughs) not watched it in a long time. Um, and yeah, I think that's like the common theme of mine of of these last two is like, I've just (laughs) hadn't seen them in forever, and I was like, this is great. I didn't even realize, and it was very (laughs) funny because my partner Michael had not. Uh, seen it before I don't think or maybe he was really young but he was oh yeah very much enjoying it he's like what's happening what's gonna happen ah, ah. like he was constantly <laughs> on the edge of his seat and it was funny the dialogue and it was actually I Aww. thought it was pretty it was pretty good it's funny it's definitely worth the watch yeah and it's based on an old movie as well um, yeah it's a remake the incredible it is a remake. journey yeah I had no idea yeah but <laughs> Disney so cool. plus has revealed to us how many things are <laughs> remakes of old things they've revealed to us how they are still in circulation still happening all they do is just remake their own things over and over again for each generation i'm into it (laughs) yeah um okay so my number two is how the grinch stole christmas yeah good call yes obviously a dog movie (laughs) <laughs> yeah, obviously. So let, let's see if I can give the synopsis like from the dog perspective. So the Grinch lives on Mount Crumpet with his dog, Max, and is annoyed by the Who's that live down in Whoville below him. So he decides to go down and steal all of their Christmas presents. So he dresses up Max as a reindeer and himself up as Santa Claus. And then Max is the hero and pulls the sleigh for the entire (laughs) rest of the movie. (laughs) Max really steals Christmas. Stands watch while he does stuff in the houses or whatever. He's like fully on guard. (laughs) And then the end, Cindy Lou who changes his mind about Christmas that even though the presents were stolen, the spirit of Christmas is still around. And then Max and the Grinch have to pull the sleigh back from the edge where he was going to dump it. To save Cindy Lou Who's life. Yes. Max Max is the hero of that story, for he, sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We are, of course, talking about the 2000 Jim Carrey Jim version Carrey. Yes. of The Grinch. Yeah. yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I was just about to ask, because if you would have said the cartoon, 
Not as good. We just rewatched last week the the new one with Benedict Cumberbatch, and it is like it feels more like the cartoon because all those extra characters that they added in the 2000 version are not there, Mm. so it feels kind of flat. Yeah. Yeah. And his Grinch character is different. I was doing some reading about it last night. We watched the Jim Carrey one last night, so it's very fresh. And that's why I knew he was talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that that is the definitive Grinch to me. So like, yeah, I didn't what even other think Grinch about having there? to cl- clarify. But I think it's the best Max, too. Yeah. No, I think so, too. Max is adorable in the Grinch. I'm pretty sure he had like ear extensions in. I was looking at it the other day when I was watching. I was like, I think so too. His ears are like have layers of fluff. It's weird. <laughs> it's darker. Yeah, it's, it's darker. Dark. I was like, this dog is adorable. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was making fun of my in-laws and my husband the other day because I was like, they're the only family I've ever known who, or only people I've ever known when you say, we watch the Grinch, they say, which one? I'm like, <laughs> Like, there is only one that when you say I watch the Grinch or you say I watch the cartoon Grinch, like it's 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 the Jim Carrey or it's like a cartoon. Like, it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was teasing them. I was like, you guys are so weird. (laughs) Like when it's the Grinch, it's the Grinch. Like, obviously, Jim Carrey, Taylor (laughs) Momsen, Cindy Lou Who. She was she was in Gossip Girl down the road. So good. Which I later watched. I watched that more recently. Yes. So I wanted to put it on the list because I think having the dog not be a main character, but be the main character's dog really is telling of like where the story is going to go. Because if the Grinch had no redeeming qualities, like he wouldn't have a dog, right? He wouldn't have a dog, yeah. And also the dog wouldn't kind of put up with him. But you can see when Max asks for something he like always gives in but max is always there to help him as well he like runs his inventions that i don't like make breakfast and stuff he'll like like put on the harness and make stuff for him and then he's like you're gonna be a reindeer it's like okay i'll do it i'm (laughs) I'm, uh intimidated but i will still give it a go so i think having the dog there shows is like almost foreshadowing he kind of holds the grinch to a bit of a moral compass as well I was just mm-hmm. thinking that mm-hmm. twinsies. That first scene when Cindy Lou Who is wrapped up, like he was gonna leave her, and then Max kind of like gives puppy dog eyes, and yeah. he like cries a bit, and then mm. he's like, oh, "Okay, fine, I'll help her." Yeah, it's that little tiny bit. The angel on his shoulder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Max is the angel. That's sweet. I was looking up the Grinch because that's my favorite Christmas movie. The dog that they got for the movie was a rescue. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this. It's a girl. Really? Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that? I did and know I that. And I think it's the, it's the same thing that Toto in The Wizard of Oz, I'm pretty sure, was a girl. That's it. You know what? They need to make more girl dog main characters. Yeah, they do. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Now we're going to have to do a feminist review of all the dog movies. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. <laughs> it's interesting because Izzy and I, you know, between the two of us, have three male dogs and you guys have two female. I think when people think of a dog, a lot of times they immediately think of male. And maybe that's just what you grew up with. I also think it's male because the Grinch is male. Yeah. The, a man has to have a male dog. Mm. I think for a man to have a female dog, not to say that I believe this, but I think potentially that's seen as emasculating. To have mm. a female dog? Yeah, maybe. But it's yeah. not man's best friend is a man dog. That's true. That's true. I think. Yeah. But that's just what I have would have observed. Mm-hmm. Good call. <laughs> Ryan doesn't want male dogs, so we don't know <laughs> anything of that life. 
just the last thing that I wanted to say about The Grinch before we move on to Izzy's number two is that I want to mention that when I was 14 in a dance recital for Christmas, I played The Grinch. <laughs> so I had to learn the lip sync parts from the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Love it. And, uh, and I feel like that was like the f- favorite role that I ever played for my parents. So like my parents love that I played the Grinch. And that's part of like why it's their favorite as well. So hi, mom. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I hope you have that on tape somewhere so you can share it on your Instagram. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Ooh, find yeah. a find an old home video of that, Ryan. And we'll Photoshop the dogs into it. Yeah. yeah. Mm, Put little Max in the corner. Adelaide dressed as Max. Yeah. <laughs> be great. Get her little antlers. Yes. Be great. That one antler <laughs> is adorable. The one. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. What am I talking about? One, one antler. Yeah. All right, Izzy. Go for it. Okay. So my number two is up because. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Because of two reasons. A, I feel like the guy Carl and his dead wife. <laughs> I think that... Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's right at the beginning. It's not really a spoiler alert. Anyway. Um... I know. I'm just I'm just pulling you like... Passed away. Wife departed. Dearly departed. <laughs> His dead wife. <laughs> okay, guys. Let me get to my point. Um, <laughs> it's basically me and Chase. Oh, yeah. We're very nomadic. And, you know, I just feel like the essence of our relationship is like buried in their relationship in the movie. And so it was just like very touching. And when we look at Arthur, I'm always like, I wish I knew what you were thinking. And I wish you could just talk to me. And I think a lot of people think that way. Lo and behold, you have dogs with collars that speak for them. And it's amazing. <laughs> And I want the dog with the broken collar, so he has a really high-pitched voice. He like, acts really mean. <laughs> Love him. Love that film. There are two reasons why. Amazing film. I'm pretty sure everyone on Earth has watched it. I don't think I need to explain what happens. I watched that when it came out, and it was so depressing to me, I couldn't watch it again. And it, like the first five minutes, like it just really gets me. So that's why I, like, I was like, oh, yeah, dead wife. I'm like, I know it's not a spoiler. It comes in so quick. <laughs> But like that is why I had such a hard time rewatching it. Kind of like we said with my dog Skip, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, I didn't want to watch it again. Yeah. But you're selling me if I watch it from a dog's perspective, maybe I can rewatch up. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Just fast forward the first like five, ten minutes. Right. You have that to look forward to. Yeah. yeah get to the juicy juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The kid too. The kid's perspective. It does turn out really, really nice. Their relationship yeah. between the two of them. I'm. I don't really care for the child, but he does make some funny jokes. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> definitely know, just care about the, the kid. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good one, Izzy. It's interesting. Both of your last two, so like Ryan's Grinch and Up, are technically not dog movies, but yeah. you're, it's still your favorite. Oh, I'm about to throw you for a loop on my number one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know what? Okay, both of those were actually in my top, but they, I, I removed them because I was like, it's not a dog movie. And so I was like, I don't know what the rules are. So I took them out. Oh, yeah. But it's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not like. <laughs> there are no rules yeah. here. <laughs> I was, I'm not like bitter about it. I just meant like, I agree that those are, those are definitely. Okay. So the big guns. Number one. All right, Jess. Oh, me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. My top movie. It's a movie that I watched later in life as well. But this one to me, it really speaks true about a human thing that we go through. My choice was. The Fox and the Hound. 
Yeah. Such a good one. And I have never had a hound dog in my <laughs> life. But I watched this one in college and I felt that it described friendship to me in a way that kind of is comforting if you've had a friend that you're distant from or if you've ever had a friend that you've had differences but you still love them. And I feel like I've had a lot of those different kinds of friendships in my life. I've lived in lots of different places and maybe you lose touch or you just don't speak anymore, but you like have that feeling that you still love them. So I definitely cried at the end. I'll give a brief description. On the poster from Disney, the tagline is, a story of two friends who didn't know they were supposed to be enemies. So Todd the fox and Copper the hound dog meet and become best friends as children. And later their friendship is put to the test when they grow up to discover they're supposed to be enemies. It's animated. I know you know. (laughs) But I really like that it's animated because one of the things in the back of my head with all of the dog movies we were watching Was there any animal abuse, cruelty going on when these were filmed? Because sometimes with the older ones, and maybe if we do another episode about bad dog movies, we can talk about something like Milo and Otis. I just really do like animated films for dogs because then you definitely know that no funny business was going on. Yeah. And all the animals are safe and it's just a retelling of their story. Love it. The reason I love it as well, I said theme of friendship, everlasting friendship, but also like nature versus nurture. They talked a lot about like the dog's instinct to go and kill the fox. But was he taught that by his hunter or is it just something innate in him? Mm -hmm. I think that that's like a big, broad question that we can all ask ourselves as well. If you have differences with someone, was that something taught? Was that something that you feel like we're all instinctively supposed to dislike people that are different from us or something that's different? Change Mm -hmm. all of those things. I feel like the moral of the story is that friendship can withstand those differences. The closing line really, it makes me cry. They end off separate and it's when they're grown up and the echo narration over the end of it is both of the fox and the hound talking to each other and they go, you're my very best friend and you're mine too, Todd. And we'll always be best friends, won't we? Yeah, forever. And it's just so cute because you're like, oh, even though they're... Not meant to be friends and they're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually didn't spoil the movie because there's the whole thing with the bear and, you know, I'll, I'll spoil it now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thing with a bear. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like their friendship was really put to the test and the audience didn't know what was going to happen. Because I think that there is also this expectation with dog movies or even animal movies with Disney, like Bambi. You don't know. Is there going to be an animal death in this movie? Mm-hmm. How's it going to go? Yeah. And I feel like with this one, we were left in that suspense. I just think it's a really great end of the story and it parallels something that humans go through all the time. I totally agree. That's a good one. That's why it's my favorite. Bravo. Thanks. Pull in the moral. Thanks, You've done guys. such a good job pulling the moral out of every single movie, Jess. <laughs> I'm over here like, dogs are cute. And you're like, the moral between friendship and... That's I love it. That's a good one. Very good. Beautiful hound dog in there. I think it's because it's like I I appreciated them when I was older Mm -hmm. as opposed to like going through my favorites when I was younger. I was like, oh, yeah, it's cute. But now I'm like, oh, I see you. I see Disney, what you were doing to me. Yeah. I know. (laughs) 
Oh, there was a theme through this. You were trying to teach me something. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Carly, what do you have? You're up All next, right. Carly. I'm next. All right. This might be a bit basic, but 101 Dalmatians live action. Yes, Carly. Nice. Yes. Yes. Top. Yeah. Yep, yep. It was, <laughs> I, I don't know, just great cast. Glenn Close. I mean, what a performance. I Okay, so I was watching this, I don't know, a little bit ago with Michael, my partner, because he had to sit there through all of them. And, <laughs> and so he had not seen it before. And so he's like over there eating dinner or something like that. I don't know. And I think we had a couple ciders. So we were, we were enjoying ourselves. And he was like looking at it. He's like, I thought this was a cartoon. And I was like, yeah, this is the live action one. He's like, what? Fake news. And he was like, so he hadn't seen it before. So it was really enjoyable to get the little peanut gallery, him throwing things in the back. The appreciation for all of the acting, Jolie Richardson with... Right. Like at first I thought it was Natasha Richardson, who is the mom and parent trap and Liam Neeson's wife, but it's her sister. I had to look that up. And so she was wonderful. And all of the acting was just, I don't know, it was so great. So, oh, this is the reason I brought up Michael is because he kept throwing in there. He was like, stop rooting for Corella DeVille, Carly, <laughs> because I was like, I wasn't rooting for her, but I was like, God, she's fabulous. I was like, oh, my God, Glenn Coase, look at you. You're, you're <laughs> killing it. <laughs> And I don't know, it was just something about the entire performance. It was done back in 96. And I swear the quality was still amazing. Like the movie holds up. 100%. 25 years later. I think that the timing of it, we talked about CGI with some of these movies. And I think as well as The Grinch, we were saying this last night, that it was the time where there was not too much CGI. Mm -hmm. Because if they had put too much of it, it would be really bad quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And the 102 Dalmatians, that's their hugest fault. Yes. That they like leaned too heavily into it. Where I feel like the first one, you're right. It was like just enough. It was a good balance. Yeah. And and I liked that they didn't make the dogs talk either. Like I kind of, I kind of enjoyed that they were still able to create a great story and you could tell what the dogs were thinking, like through all these cool stunts that these dogs did and, you know, how they were trained, which... We've kind of spoken with um, someone on our podcast, Chrissy Joy, who's the the trainer who has four dogs that are in movies. So we've kind of talked to her about that a little bit. So I thought it was interesting because I was able to see like you would train them to stand on this and then put the paw up and that would indicate some type of, you know, emotion. And so I thought that that was really cool that they were able to to carry that through costumes, acting, like sets, like all of that I thought was done super well. Uh, and then I think it also hit home a little bit for us because since we had lived in London, there were a lot of sites that I was like, oh, my God, like, Lupin, you've played in that park. Like, I have pictures of you in that exact same spot and and like just different little themes like that I was able to to kind of see and like where they were. I was like, he's going through Leicester Square right now. Like, oh, my God, I couldn't even imagine riding a bike through there or Whatever. So yeah, it was just all around. I it was yet again a pleasant surprise. Super happy. Another one that I'd be happy to like actually watch as like a a main feature, not just a throw it on when you're sick or throw it on when you're feeling silly, but like a main like oh yeah, this is what we're watching tonight. You're making me want to watch it again. I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, this is good all around. That's my one. I love that. 
I know you just said it's not as good, but I have never seen 102 Dalmatians, so now I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good in the way of like there's a nice little love, you know, interest and all of that, and mm-hmm. it hits all the points. But yeah, the CGI dog thing, they did that. Ooh, that was really getting me. Yeah, they did that with 101 Dalmatians, but only to repeat all of the dogs so it looked like there was 100 of them. And that I feel like I can forgive. Yes. But it was like the dog on the end of the railing that was hanging over the edge was fully animated. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm glad that you're not putting the dog in peril. So I appreciate that. Yeah. But this is not convincing me. No. So maybe you could have done something easier. There were definitely, yeah. <laughs> like just, yeah. In in some of the 102 Dalmatian part, it was definitely, a, yeah, a, a bit too much. But 101, I think it was mm-hmm. a perfect balance of everything. It's held up through... Yeah. 25 years, not just as far as the quality, but also just, you know, sometimes when you watch an older movie and you think like, ah, oh, this is a plot hole because like, why don't you just use your cell phone? This could have been easily fixed or whatever. Right. You know, like you, you kind of are taken out of that timeline. I didn't feel like that with this at all. Like it was, mm-hmm. they did a good job of blending how old the initial movie was, you know, back what we said back in the 60s. Because it's based on her novel. Yeah. So I think they blended it really well as far as it's set in, you know, the 90s, but it's not like this strict time, I guess. Right. Anyway, agreed. So cool. Great choice. Thank you. Ryan. Okay. My number one dog movie is John Wick. Oh my gosh, yes! That was mine too! Oh my god! <laughs> yes, Ryan, we can talk about this together. And then I don't need to mention mine. <laughs> oh my god, this is actually your number oh, one, is he? Yes, yeah, my number one, John Wick. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god! Because this is how I want, like, if anyone did anything to Arthur, this is who I want to become. Okay, so I, I will read the, uh, the one sentence summary from IMDb. An ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him. So true. Also, John Wick 1, 2, and 3, all because of a dog. Just such a great concept. I love Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Yeah. He made me watch it alone because we were prepping to watch the third one in theaters. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I'm going golfing with my dad. How about you watch John Wick 1 so that... (laughs) <laughs> you can be prepared for John Wick 3. We'll watch John Wick 2 together and that'll be that. <laughs> and he gave me no warning. He didn't tell me it was about mm. nothing. Yeah, and was like, it's Keanu Reeves. It's great. And I was like, okay. Sobbing in the tub. Yeah. If you hadn't mentioned Up, I, I was going to mention it here, that it's very similar. Kind of like a, a short film at the beginning that shows that his wife has died and then he his wife sends him this little beagle puppy named Daisy, but I really loved it because it, I think of it as like a spiritual successor to The Matrix, Yeah, which is always, I say, is my number one movie. So it was directed by Keanu Reeves's stunt double from The Matrix, Chad Stiletsky. Interesting. What? Crazy. Stunt double and director. So like it's, it's action first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, action first. Okay, I have not watched John Wick. And you definitely need to. The reason I now I, you have homework. I love some action movies. <laughs> I love I like it all. But I heard that the dog died and I refused. Michael has tried to get me to watch it many times and I have refused every single time. I'm like, I can't I just can't get behind this. So maybe I maybe I need to watch the level of commitment Keanu Reeves shows towards his dog is honestly inspiring. Like he kills so many people for this dog. It's great because 
any dog parent would also kill like that yeah. many people if they did something okay. to their dog. I think as well, like he makes it not ridiculous. Like when he told me after like, oh yeah. And I was like, so that all really happened because of his wife and the dog. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, when you think about it, it sounds really ridiculous, but he is so committed to it. Yeah. And like people say like, oh, it's just a, a f-ing dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like everyone just like throws it off. And he's like, no, it's everything to me. And when he meets Halle Berry and then they do stuff to her dog and then they get into that whole other fight all for a dog. Yeah. And he's like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I get it, too. I, I understand that because that was actually my main complaint. One of my main complaints with Eight Below. I watched that one with Paul Walker. It's just like I was like, the dogs are down there alone. And I understand the movie made it appear like he could do all that he could. But I was like, if my dog was somewhere in peril, you best believe I would be (laughs) I would be killing people like John. And and so so I get that. But I think it was just the fact that it was and much less a beagle and they look like Lupin the hound. I was like, I can't. I I just get anxiety every time I think about it. But I need to just excuse the pun, bite the bullet and do it. You know what? It's a hard scene to watch. But afterwards, you're like, Keanu Reeves, you are my hero. And now I need to be an assassin. You know, when you watch a film and you just like want to be whatever it is on the film. Mm-hmm. I watched John Wick and I was like, okay, where can I go to learn to be an assassin? Because it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> is he the dog crusader? Yeah. yeah. Saving dogs. Yeah, someone stole your dog. Avenging dogs. Someone killed your dog. Call me. <laughs> I will get them back. I will cut people. <laughs> don't don't actually though. Don't actually though. Everyone don't don't DM us. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to pull out one quote. It's like the main quote about the dog. He retired from being a hitman so that he could be with his wife and like they get into that in the sequels and everything that happened. But the quote here is when Helen died, I lost everything until that dog arrived on my doorstep, a final gift from my wife. That moment I received some semblance of hope, an opportunity to grieve unalone, and your son took that from me. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Bastard. Yeah. Grieve unalone is so good. Yeah. Also, stupid, stupid people. Mm-hmm. Bad house to break yeah. into. Terrible house. Ooh. Yeah. Should have gone next door. <clears throat> but yeah, the thought of not being alone while you grieve someone. Yeah. Is like. Yeah. Ooh. And dogs are the best. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. It's, it's that feeling of like when you're you've had a terrible day. I mean, obviously that's not grieving, but like if you've had a terrible day, and your dog is there, and you're able to just snuggle up next to them or what take solace in them, and then they also, I think, dogs are a great tool of pulling someone out of grief or pulling someone out of a depression or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Consult your doctor. But but like I think, you know, the fact that it's another being that needs to be cared for. So it's like you you take you have to take them out for a walk. You have to take them out potty. Things like that. Yeah. You know, it just gets you in a routine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that definitely speaks to that for sure. Yeah. And I think the other thing I really liked about it was that Keanu Reeves is this man. He's a man's man. You know, he's an ex-assassin. Like you think he's like hard as bullets. And you see a sensitive side to him and that it's okay to grieve and it's okay for a man to grieve and it's okay for a man to love, like love another human being, which, well, human being and a dog being, 
which I don't think is depicted yeah. enough in action films. Keanu, I love you. Yes. <laughs> also Canadian, also fun fact, went to my high school. Really? Really? <gasps> Interesting. Yeah, I went to an arts high school in Toronto. Hook yeah. me up. <laughs> um, so to conclude... Is it okay to wrap it up here? Yeah, yeah. I think that was great. I've I've got a question. Everyone's got to answer it. Okay, this is like the get okay. getting deep. What do you think is the most important thing about a dog movie that makes it a quintessential dog movie? I think for me, just looking at my top three, you want to walk away feeling an emotion, not necessarily like humor or like that was fun, but oh god, life is good kind of an emotion because I think that's what dogs do in real life. I think that for me is the main. And then also I think I enjoy like the dogs being dogs. Mm. I don't know. I'm just thinking of Homeward Bound and watching them like run through a field. And I could have watched that on loop for like hours of them just running around the forest and like bouncing in the river and running through a field. I was like, they just look so happy. And that made me feel happy. You walk away and you're like, oh yeah, like I feel really good about life right now. So that's mine. I think for me, the best dog movies show the connection between people and the dogs. So thinking about myself that I generally always want to be doing something or watching something or listening to a podcast or whatever, but I find if the dogs are like being super cute on the couch and we can just lie down together for a little while or I can just watch them play together, I find that 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 is a moment for me that I can be really focused and calm. And there's just some sort of connection that feels really tangible to me. I feel like good dog movies can get that feeling across, like how important that connection is. I think for me, I think it just has to be relatable. I think looking at my top three, like I can relate with every single one of them to my life, not necessarily to the storyline, but I connected with the characters somehow like an aspect of that was reflected in my life i think that's the main thing for me is i want to feel that connection with a film yeah right well that's why that's a reason that like dogs are in so much advertising good call <laughs> they want you to relate to it yeah <laughs> super yeah. got it good um, <laughs> yeah. yeah honestly everything you guys just said i yes. feel like is what i wrote down because I, I had the question, so I was like, I have answers. She's, um, got, the, she's got the answer key. Um, but I said, it has to have heart. Yeah. So if you don't tear up, was it even a dog movie? Mm-hmm. And by that, it's like, if you didn't tear up, because it could be heartwarming. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something tragic and sad. But I also think it's important that dog movies show the whole life of a dog. Because I, I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, so many people don't watch dog movies because... They think, oh, it's kind of like Benjamin Button. It's like the whole life of a dog. You know it's going to die in the end and it's going to be sad. And you don't want to watch it because you end on a sad note. But I think that a good dog movie does have you leaving sort of with a little bit of a heart uplifting feeling, even if it is sad. And that's why like Marley and Me was Mm -hmm. that emotional trigger for me. But it is still a nice warm thing. And then um, same thing like Fox and the Hound, like Izzy was saying, it's relatable. So I did say if there's something the dogs experience that can parallel the human experience, I think that's a really cool thing too. Whether it's you relating to it because you see yourself in the human or maybe you see yourself in the dog, which is really cool. And then just like the technical thing, I I prefer if the animals don't talk themselves. Um with the mouths and that, like you had said that a few times yeah. Carly. So, so I was like oh I, I yes. feel you it's either got to be great yeah. narration 
or it's got to be animated film that they can talk themselves and then it's fine. Good call. I just wanted to say thank you for taking this long journey with us mm-hmm. talking about dog movies, even though it gets emotional. I think it's worth it. Yes. Thank you to Carly and Izzy from the With a Dog podcast. And also thank you to everyone that is listening and has made it all the way through with us. Um, yeah. I feel like we all inspired <laughs> each other to watch something new. So yeah. I hope that the listeners also got that experience. Yes. Ernie. What made you want to participate in this movie review with us or maybe what made you reluctant to t- participate in this review i'm actually for once in my whole life in a very unique position where i'm i'm in lockdown i'm in isolation so i had nothing else to do and i was like this is great i can watch all of my favorite films from when i was a kid and i'm not gonna feel guilty and call it work <laughs> yes <laughs> Because I legitimately don't have anything else to do. I usually can't find time in my schedule with the job and the podcast and, you know, trying to stay healthy to really do anything. I can probably watch one film a week or if I'm procrastinating a whole bunch, I can watch like four episodes of a binge watchy TV (laughs) series. The Crown. The Crown. (laughs) But it's very rare that I have these like huge gaps of time. So I was like, yes. Give it to me. <laughs> and I was kind of scared of not having a project. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wasn't reluctant at Is all. Is he without a yeah. project? I was, you know, to be completely honest, this last few weeks of 2020 have not been great. I I kind of mentioned this on our last podcast, but I had my like year anniversary of away from London. And, of course, most of this last year has been in lockdown, you know, or in quarantine, pandemic life. And so it just hasn't been... I think it's like when I think of all my good memories, I think back to a year ago. So I was kind of having a little bit of like an emotional moment and then, you know, toss on some emotional dog movies and it really threw me for a loop, but I'm okay. And and so I don't know. I think just saying yes to the challenge. It's interesting because I don't really watch too many dog movies. I don't, I, I love dogs and I love my dogs, but because I've worked in the animal field, I think of dog things as work. Like I think of it as my career. And and so if I'm reading a book about dogs or anything like that, I'm thinking of it as research for work. And it's like, if it applies to my life with my dogs, then great. But you know, so it's like when I think of a hobby, I think of reading or cooking or something like that. So it was interesting to sit down and to shift the mindset of like, this is going to be fun. Like this isn't work. This isn't like, animal welfare research or anything it it was just it was like a fun thing so yeah I really enjoyed it I think I think it was just fun to revisit a lot of the childhood movies and pat myself on the back that you know what the 90s were great so yeah (laughs) 90s were my favorite era the 90s were solid you know it it delivered some solid dog movies solid movies solid music despite what everyone says I'm constantly asking Alexa to play me 90s dance classics, (laughs) and she always gets me up and moving. So 90s were great. Don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. Or says. It was great. It was a good challenge. So bravo, both of you, Ryan and Jess. Thank you you for inviting us. I'm glad you both enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I had a great time, you guys. So thank you so much for inviting us, and I hope everyone enjoyed this nice, just lighthearted, fun Christmas episode. Yeah, as always, it's been really great. Wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. 
Thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next week to listen to our resolutions for 2020 and what we hope to achieve. Bye. Bye. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer or behaviorist.